Good morning. Welcome to Turfgrass Epistemology. I'm Travis Shaddix. Thank you for joining me. Today's Thursday, December 14th, 2023. It's a beautiful Thursday morning here in Lexington, Kentucky. It's cold, super sunny. Things there's some frost on the ground this morning, and uh, it's going to be a great day. Here on this channel, if you're new, if this is your first time listening or watching, this is Turfgrass Epistemology, where we look and investigate the idea or the concept of how do we know what we know about turfgrass science. Somebody says, oh, I do this, or you should do that. Well, how do you know? How do you know that's true? And on this channel, we do our best to lay out the evidence and hopefully help guide you using the best available evidence for turfgrass science. We had a good show last night. There was a lot of people on last night. I really liked that. There was 20 or 30, I think, on last night. I can't remember. A lot of chat and um, some good questions at the end. Wednesday night seems to be pretty popular. There will probably be some adjustments in the schedule. Um, I don't know if it's going to start in January or not, but maybe some slight adjustments the Wednesday night the Wednesday night show will will most likely remain as it is I may end up adding a show in I'm not sure but I may have to remove a show I don't know we'll see what happens but um as the channel grows and as more and more people watch I'm trying to figure out like what's the best way to tailor it to um the, the majority of people so that the majority of people can can watch live and participate and ask questions if they if they want to do that and it seems like most people are on in the evenings so we'll see we'll see how it goes maybe you all enjoy hanging out and watching the show in the morning too so i don't want to get rid of that either necessarily but we'll f we'll figure out what makes sense and how to move forward in the most uh i don't know the most effective manner I got a comment yesterday about the video that I want to go over today. And I, I was, the, t the topic for today is chelated versus sulfate iron. And I wanted to use the comment in the video from yesterday to start this, uh, start this episode. So I'll show that in a minute. And then we have two, two articles today. One is like, I think two pages long, very short. And the other one is very important. It's rather robust, but it's very important. So I want to make sure we go over both these papers today. One shouldn't take more than five minutes. It's, I just want to show one table in it. The good morning, Gray. Uh, more, uh, morning, Dr. Shaddix. You are scheduled to be on Thursday, Thursday in January. That's what I hear. Yeah. We're going to have some fun. One thing I enjoy, and I, and I, I do not, I, I've reluctantly accepted the reality that I'm an artist. I don't, I don't like that necessarily, but my wife says, you just have to, you have to accept that you're, you're an artist. I like doing, I like painting. I like creating things. I like, I like designing and creating something from nothing. <clears throat> and so the show on that we're going to do in January on the grass factor is going to be new. We're going to, we're, I'm going to add, we're going to do something new. I don't, I don't want to just go on and just do the same thing I did last time. I mean, it's fine. I, I think a lot of people enjoyed the, what a year ago that I did the grass factor, 
And um, I think a lot of people got some good things out of it. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I'm the type of person that likes to create things. I'm, I'm sort of an arty type of person. And so I wanted to do something new. And I'll say that I've done sort of things like this in my career where I've gone out on the limb and tried something new and creative. And one of two things is going to happen. I can guarantee you from my history, if my hist if my history predicts the future, one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to be a colossal failure or it's going to be a massive success. One of the two. I've done things like this in the past where I'm like, it was just a massive success. I mean, people are talking about it for months and I'm like, really? I mean, you know, and then I've done the same thing in other venues and it's just a complete flop. So you know, I never really know how it's going to be received, but we're going to give it a shot and it'll be different. It'll be new, whether it's a success or not, it will be up to you all to determine, but we're going to try something new in January. It'll be about a year since I've been on that, that show. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Well, it'll be fun whether it, you find it interesting or not. Well, that's another issue, but it'll be fun for, for me and the guys over there at the grass factor. Lush Lawn says, double dark Thursday. I just finished last night's video and I'm ready for second, sir. <laughs> I have a hankering for some more iron. Yeah, it, it is, as much as my disdain for thatch is, my exuberance for iron is is equivalent to my <laughs> that. So, I mean, it's I, I'm, I'm interested about stuff like this. And for whatever reason, I've always been fascinated by nutrients and interactions and soil transformations and stuff. I don't know. I'm weird. But we will be going over this for a while. Hopefully, I'm doing it in a way that's interesting and engaging and you and practical. Like you can take this and do something with it. The, the thatch issue is that there's not really any defined, clear solution. We can do this. We can airify. We can top dress. We can maybe do some light case if they get that on the market in a, in a if, you know in a affordable way. But there's not a whole lot that we can really you know, stake our claim to with that, with, with this stuff with iron and manganese and all these nutrients, I, I feel you can take this stuff back today and immediately implement it and have an impact on your profitability or the, the value to your program. So I, that's one reason why I like it so much. Good morning, Brady. <clears throat> I got your pen, pencil and paper ready to learn. <laughs> King Poseidon. Good morning from Northern Virginia. I'm sorry if I do not, if you have, if you've been on here before, I have I don't recognize that name, but you're very welcome. Thank you for, for coming live today. Looney says the night shows are good because I'm not working and the kids are in bed. Yeah. I have to start the show at nine on weekdays or on any day on Wednesday night, because my kids go to bed at eight, probably really eight 30. And you know, I got to do all the dad stuff and family stuff and get that taken care of. And then after they go to bed, I can sit here and do this stuff. So that's the reason I start the show at nine o'clock. Maybe when they're out of the house in 10 years or whatever, then maybe I can change it. <laughs> but for now it's, it's nine o'clock because I'm, I have children as well. So I'm with you on that one, Looney. Okay. Let's get into today. We have a short little comment and then, uh, I'm going to show you some stuff about an iron product. And then we're going to go into two articles that talk about chelated versus sulfate. Well, one article that talks chelated versus sulfated iron. And, um, Oh, okay. Kings, long time viewer, first time post. That's fine. Hey, you can hang out and just enjoy it. You don't have to participate if you don't want to, but, um, I'm just glad you're here and you're hopefully finding the information useful. So 
Let's get to the internet. And yesterday's show was is posted, and it'll be on the podcasts uh, later this afternoon. For all the people like to do like to listen to on podcasts, you can catch this in probably four or five hours. When it, I have to wait for it to process on YouTube, and then I can strip the audio out and load it to the podcast platforms. So in this uh, video, there's been a comment from last night, a very very nice comment, and I wanted to uh, use it to talk about a product. So down here it says from. Omar Mundel, Mundel 6387. It was very informative live. Are you familiar with the feature product? I see a lot of people saying it's a great soluble form of iron. So the feature product is what he's asking about. And I'm, I told him I would talk about it today. I, oh, it says just three. Oh, I haven't updated my, my web browser. It says three minutes ago, but it was earlier today. So he's asking about the feature product. And the feature product, if you're unfamiliar with it, is a 600 iron product by, I think it's Loveland. Um, let me pull it up here. PDF is, yeah, by Loveland. I guess they're in Colorado. Oh, Greeley, Colorado. Yeah. So, so they manufacture this product or distribute this product. I, I assume they're in the manufacturer of a product called Feature 600. And it's a soluble small bag. I think this is a five pound or a three pound bag. So it's a three pound bag that you can, the idea is I think you just put it in a, in a tank and it melts down and you can spray it out. So the question is, what do I think of, do I know about this product and what do I think about it? I am familiar with this product. Um, and, and I'll tell you what I think about it. The forms of elements in this product over here under the guaranteed analysis, as we're all familiar with over here. Yeah. Right here. Man, that thing keeps changing to blue. Let me change this back. Not easily picked up in blue. Okay, it's right here, the guaranteed analysis. And the guaranteed analysis is a 600, 1% magnesium, 8% sulfur, 10% iron, and 2.5% ma manganese. Now, I'm just saying, so my, my, my initial comments about this product is, if you're using it, it will probably work if you're applying it at, a, at the specified rate. I mean, there's no reason to believe it won't. It has 6% iron in, or 6% nitrogen in it. And is very likely to result in a turf grass greening. Um, I have good confidence that that'll happen. Assuming you apply it at, you know, let's say, you know, 0.1 to 0.3 pounds of nitrogen, you're probably going to see a response. I don't know what this rate ends up being in terms of pounds a in put out, but you, you know, you'll see a response. If you put it out on the leaves in a, in a say 40 gallons per acre or less, say you're using a Z spray or using one of these low, low volume sprayers and it's 20 gallons per acre or something very low and it's sticking on the leaf surface, then you're probably going to see a response even less than that with nitrogen because the, the, the iron in here is very likely to, to result in a response, a greening. But I wanted to show this as an example of how formulation games are played. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I worked in a fertilizer manufacturer, I'm sorry, a fertilizer distributor for six, six plus years, did a lot of formulations and worked with manufacturers and customers and all these things blended. I don't know how many thousands of tons of fertilizer I've helped blend. So there's a, I'm familiar with these processes and there's a certain game that is played with micronutrients. And that is finding a way to elevate the percentage of a, let's just use iron because we're talking about iron elevate the percent iron up to a level that appears to be um, 
up to a level that would convince somebody that, Hey, I really want to have this like 20% iron or 5% iron. Well, I want 20% iron, right? 10% iron or 5% iron. I want 10% iron. I want to, I want more iron because it's 10% more than 5%. But there's a certain game that's played to get that percentage up. And that is the, the, you know, shell game of using raw materials, the iron raw materials to get that percent up. So what do I mean by that? In here, there are three iron sources, at least three, three iron sources. Okay, iron EDDHA, which we all will become very familiar with over the next several weeks of being a very valuable chelate in terms of its ability to resist oxidation and maintain solubility of its metal over a wide variety of pH. It's very valuable. Iron EDTA, which is useful for soil pHs less than 7. So if your soil pH is less than 7, iron EDTA has the ability to maintain solubility of the iron for, you know, probably, well, I'll show you the, I'll show you the, the length of time. I think it was a week or more. It's possible. And then iron citrate. <clears throat> so there's three forms of iron, EDDHA, EDTA, and iron citrate. But what you don't know is what ratio of these are in here because all it says is 10% iron, 10% chelated iron. So all the iron comes from these three sources. And it says down here, actually, the chelating agents are EDDHA, EDTA, and citric acid. But when you have three of them, there's no requirement by law to identify how much, for example, of EDDHA is in that 10%. How much of the iron, the 10% iron, is actually from EDDHA? How much is from citrate? And this is very important because citrate is not a soil chelate, even though it's considered a chelate by APCO. The American Association of Plant Food Control Officials considers it a, a, a chelate, which it may fit the definition of a chelate, but once it hits the soil, it provides no additional solubility beyond the iron sulfate salt alone. And I'm going to show you all those data in the near future. Okay. It's not just me saying this. So how do we figure this out? One, we're not going to be able to figure this out. There's no way to figure out how, how much EDDHA, EDTA, and iron citrate are actually, how much of it is of the 10% each one of those comprises. There's no way to do this on this label, but we can kind of get a rough idea. We can kind of you know, get a general concept, general idea. How do we do that? We have to know the percent iron in the raw materials. How do we know that? You can look them up. You can look up each one individually, or you can just go to one of my articles, which is right here, where I've listed all these, which is this, we're going to go over this article in a few weeks. But in this article, I have iron sulfate, iron humate, iron oxide, iron polysaccharide, citrate, glucoheptanate, IDDHA, EDTA, DTPA, and EDDHA. And over here on the right, we have the percentage of iron in the raw material itself. And you'll notice, when I look at these, <clears throat> look at these EDTAs, DTPAs, and EDDHA. Now, EDTA can actually vary a little bit. It can actually be a little bit higher than 10% based upon where you're getting it from. But as you go up in chelates from EDTA to EDDHA, you're adding more and more carbon, basically. And when you add more carbon, you're diluting the iron. So when it goes from 10% to 6%, that reduction in iron is a result of adding carbon or adding more of the chelating agent to maintain solubility or to resist the influence of pH, soil pH. Okay. 
So EDDHA is only 6% iron. EDTA is only 10% iron in this particular study. Like I said, you might have slightly higher iron from other sources of EDTA. And then here's citrate at 22% up here, okay? So you have a 22, a 10, and a 6. This feature has a 10% iron in, in it. So we know immediately that it can't all come from EDDHA because EDHA is only 6%, okay? They have to add higher analysis raw materials in here to get that percent up to 10. Okay. Why, where am I going with all this? Why is this important? Because I'm convinced that the majority of chelate, or I should, uh, I should say I'm not convinced that the majority of the chelate in this product is from EDDHA. It's more than likely from EDTA, a combination of EDTA and citrate. Citrate is not a sole chelate. And EDTA is not a sole chelate unless the sole pH is less than 7. I should actually look that up because it might be actually less than that. Let me see if... I want to make sure I'm not pivoting to you because it might be less than 6. Let me see if I wrote that in here. Yeah, EDTA are effective iron chelates on soils less than 7. Okay, so I'm, not, I'm make sure I'm straight here. <clears throat> Okay, so if you have one iron product in here that's not a chelate in the soil and another product in here that's not a chelate in the soil on pHs, whole pH is greater than 7, then you you really could just get by with iron sulfate, to be frank. Just spray it on iron sulfate. You don't have to pay for these expensive chelates. Now, if your pH is less, or I'm sorry, your pH is greater than 7, there's a little bit of EDDHA in here, but I have no idea how much because the law doesn't require them to identify how much they put in here. I have no clue. It might be 6% or 5% or 4% or it might be 0.1%. I have, no, I have no idea. Okay. So my comments about this product are, one, it's very likely going to result in a, in a greening response. It's got nitrogen and three forms of iron in it, and you're spraying it out. So I have a lot of confidence that you're going to see a good response from a product like this. But I also have pretty good confidence that the iron in here is, although it states it as chelated, and although technically under APCO it is chelated, it would have to remain on the leaf surface in order to have a to show a response. You wouldn't want to wash this product into the soil because I don't know how much EDHA is in here. Okay. So if you're spraying this out, spray it out at low volumes, 40 gallons per acre or something like that. So that it stays on the leaf surface and don't wash it into the soil because once you wash it into the soil i don't know i i, I have no clue really if the eddha is in, in there at a high enough rate to maintain the iron solubility and, the, and in turn reduce and result in a turf grass greening i strongly suspect that the majority is from two sources that do not maintain solubility at ph is greater than seven being edta and iron citrate okay so what would i recommend I'm talking about all these things that would, you wouldn't do or, you know, I wouldn't consider this. I wouldn't use that. What would I recommend? Well, let's go check it out. This is what I would recommend. If we go back to the internet, ferrosulfate heptahydrate spray grade is the least expensive option to put out iron on turf grass. 
You can get this from a variety of locations. This I'm looking here at uh, site one's location. They have it listed for $46.39 a bag. And it's 20% nitrogen iron, so it's there's 10 pounds of iron in here. And it's fit, so it's five five dollars a pound, and you put out one pound per acre, so it's five dollars an acre, if my math is right. So it's not crazy expensive, much less expensive than buying it the other way. You can also get a, and I've used this exact product before. It melts down very easily. I have I hold no responsibility for someone mixing this incorrectly with something else like phosphorus or like some you know herbicide or any pesticide I, I don't i don't know what will happen when you mix this with all these different combinations so please don't ask me if you put this in water and you melt it down with just this and you spray it out you will very likely see a response if you're applying between one and five pounds of iron per acre and you will not find at least a less expensive way to do it unless you find a less expensive source of iron sulfate i mean you know spray grade don't get soluble don't get granular because it'll mess up your screens if, if you don't if you get the wrong one but if you get sprayable or spray grade that's what will melt down very easily it's extremely small it's crystalline it's tiny tiny little particles it'll melt down very easily and spray it out avoid any surfaces that you don't want to turn brown or red and you're very likely to see a response Okay, you can also buy the same exact product, or I'm sorry, the same exact raw material from a different source. This one's only $35.50 a bag, and it says on here, banded or to be can be broadcast, side-banded, or foliar sprayed. So you want to look for spray-grade or foliar-grade iron sulfate raw material. But this is like building a house, okay? You're not, you can go buy a house that's already built, which is an expensive way to do it, or you can buy the equipment and the tools to build your own house, which is the less expensive way to do it. But you need to have the knowledge of what you're doing in order to do that. Or you're going to screw something up, right? You're going to mess up the bathroom. You're going to mess up the foundation if you don't know how to do it. So if you don't know how to mix raw materials and melt down raw materials, particularly an iron containing raw material, I don't hold any responsibility for people messing it up. Okay. There is value in buying uh, manufactured liquids in that they've already done the chemistry and melted everything down and they know what fits and what doesn't fit in the liquid and what won't salt out and all these things. There is value in that. If there is any value in buying already previously manufactured liquids, liquid iron, it's, it's that it's that they've done the, the, the homework for you and done that step for you. But if you want the least expensive way and all you're going to do is spray out iron, I've done this many, many times and it's very safe I don't have any problems with it. I know what I'm doing, but even if you didn't, honestly, this is very easy to do. But I would start by only applying the spray grade iron sulfate. Don't try to mix it with other stuff until you gain some experience with it. Okay. So that's what I would recommend. The, the feature 600, I'm sure you would have a very similar response with that. I mean, it's a very seems like a very reasonable product it's just it's probably much more expensive than the response that you would see from just buying the sprayable iron sulfate itself and putting it out okay so that's what i would recommend if you're looking for a recommendation now let's get into um the articles for today close that out Close that one. 
I'm going to go over this first article very quickly. It's extremely short. It's only two pages. I'm not even going to go into mo the majority of the information here, but there's really nowhere else I can fit this article because it's so short. If I did it on its own episode, it'd be five minutes. So I'm going to talk about this article real quick, and then I'm going to jump into the, the other article today. So this article is called Iron Chlorosis of Kentucky Bluegrass Cultivars by Harim, Harivandi and Butler at uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. They did this work. And they were in here, they were looking at, you know, Kentucky bluegrass and a, a number of different cultivars. I don't know, they got 10 or 15 different cultivars in here. And they were uh, looking at the iron content of these turf grasses. They're, they're down here in this chart. And you'll see the color ratings and they put out iron and so forth. And you see the various chlorophyll contents and the total plant and the iron. And so the total iron in the plant. And you'll notice a couple things. We're going to get into tissue testing at some point. But you'll notice on this paper, I'll come back to this paper probably if I can remember and talk about tissue testing, is that these are all the same species with different cultivars of Kentucky bluegrass. And you can see here that the average iron concentration in the, in the leaves were 220 parts per million. But they vary greatly from as much as 296, 296, basically 300 parts per million, down to 115 something like that. So they can double 150 to 300 and it's all the same species. So if you've been conned into using turf grass tissue analysis to put out iron and you're using Kentucky bluegrass, just understand that the, <laughs> that it can vary greatly. And a lot of it has to do with the color itself, right? So the chlorophyll content, the iron content and the color are oftentimes really, sometimes they're not. Uh, but the, 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 Content in the plant tissue itself can vary greatly. Okay. In general, you'll see the color ratings of 10 have higher iron than the color ratings of very low color ratings, say two to seven or something like that. You'll see higher iron content in these higher rated Kentucky bluegrass cultivars, but just understand there's a lot of variation. But what I really want to talk about with this little bitty in, uh, inconspicuous little uh, hidden table over here that seemingly is of like, what is this little table here even doing? And there's only four or five numbers in it. Well, let's look at this. Well, I'm looking at table two for those listening. And table two is titled Correlation Between Soil pH, Available Soil Iron, Total Plant Iron, and Chlorophyll Content for 25 Cultivars and Five Blends of Kentucky Bluegrass. So they did all these cultivars. They, you know, I just showed 20, 25 cultivars. And what we're looking at here is the correlation between available soil iron, total plant iron, and chlorophyll. And like I said last night on last night's show, it's often considered or often assumed that iron solubility changes with pH. And iron solubility does change with pH. But within the range of, you know, reasonable ranges, meaning let's say five to nine, something like that, the there's really no iron soluble at all. So if you have, I mean, it starts becoming more soluble as you get closer to the fives, but it really only becomes soluble to any great extent when you get way down there low. And so when you're looking at a soil test with iron, we're going to get into soil testing with iron. There's really not much value, or I should say that I don't have much confidence in recommending the application of iron from an, from an iron soil test. Okay. There's not much correlation and for certainly there's not much cal many calibrations to, to recommend the application of iron based on a soil test. But sometimes you'll hear, well, I'd rather use pH as an indicator for soluble iron or how much iron is available. Well, let's look and see what they found in Colorado. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to, before I forget, I'm going to tell you the, hang on, let me, let me back out before I even forget this. 
This was a paper published in Hort Science in 1980. So this is a free paper. You can go get this paper right now. Go to hortsci.org and you can download this paper for free. It's titled Iron Chlorosis for Kentucky Bluegrass, published in 1980. And in here, they have this table. I'll get back on screen. And it shows... Uh, the correlation coefficients. So how strongly these are related to one to the other. So how strongly is pH, we have parameters of pH, available soil iron, and total plant iron. And what this says is the pH is related to available soil iron at a 0.004 R squared. <coughs> Meaning there was no correlation. <laughs> You're not going to get a better example of no correlation than that. What we're looking for in terms of any, you know, agronomic or biological relationship, certainly anything below 0.4 or 0.5 is highly questionable. But ideally, we'd like to see something like 0 0.7, 0 0.8. And so, although we're not accounting for the, you know, the amount of error we'd like to, at least at 0 0.7, 0 0.8, clearly there's there's a relationship there somewhere. We can we can stake our claim on say okay there, there's a relationship here we're not really doing a good job of describing because we're not accounting for enough enough error at 0 0.7 0 0.8 something like that but at 0 0.004 we're pretty confident that there's you can't look at in this particular case on these 25 cultivars he couldn't look at the soil ph and provide any sort of confidence in a prediction of what how much available soil iron would be this how much of this soil iron would be Okay, when you look at the total plant iron relative to the pH, it's just as bad, basically 0 0.05. So if you're looking at pH and saying, okay, my pH is 7, I want to lower my pH so I can get more iron in the plant, I'm going to lower it to 0.6. What this is saying is there was no relationship. The chances of you seeing that are basically zero on this study, on the 25 cultivars of Kentucky bluegrass. So I'm going to go and change my pH because I, at this pH, there's not much soluble iron available. You've seen that graph before. I'll show it at some point where you show, you know, solubility of iron changes on pH, which is true. It does. But when you're actually dealing with practical settings in the soil and the turf grass, this, this particular study is showing there was no relationship between the soil pH and the total plant iron or the available soil iron or the chlorophyll in the plant. So the pH had no relationship with any of those three variables. When you look at available soil iron, so the I would I don't know why they used available. I'd rather them say extractable, but available soil iron relative to the total plant iron, it was 0.3. Okay, so we're kind of getting a little bit there. You know, there might be something going on there. But we still have very little confidence in saying that the, the extractable iron or available soil iron is going to result in this much total plant iron. So basically, this is trying to correlate a soil test to a tissue test is what this is doing. And that's been notoriously difficult to do. And this is an example of that. And the same thing holds true for chlorophyll. It found even a less ability to predict what would be in the chlorophyll. The only thing that was relatable was what was the iron that was in the plant relative to the chlorophyll that was in the plant. And here we see a 0.9 in a significant at 1% level. Okay. So here we can say with a great deal of confidence, 90% confidence, 90.3% confidence that if I know the total plant iron, the total iron in the plant, I can have a reasonable estimation, a reasonable guess as to how much chlorophyll will be in the plant. That's what that's saying. 
So I wanted to say that because this, this article is so short, I'm really not going to be able to fit it in anywhere else. Okay. So that, that's uh, what I wanted to point out in that paper. So I wouldn't use really hardly any soil tests. Well, we're going to show some other papers that actually do show there's a little bit of relationship between soil pH and, and, and iron. But this is a paper that is short and quick and, you know, provides some information about, you know, let's contextualize everything. Like, let's look at the entire body of evidence on this, this issue. And this particular paper says there's no relationship between soil pH and, and iron, essentially, or chlorophyll in the plant or iron in the plant. All right. So let's get into the article that we really want to talk about today, which is a rather robust article. I'm going to do my best to get through here. <clears throat> I uh, hesitate to go through this, but it's really important. And I think I can go through it and do it in a way that is um, easily understood. So let's, let's give it a shot. This article is entitled Foliar Application of Nitrogen and Iron to Kentucky Bluegrass. And it's by, this is the used paper I talked about last night. This was published in 1984 in Agronomy Journal. And a lot of people refer to this particular article a lot of the papers we're going to go over in the future will refer back to this article. So I want to make sure that we cover it before we're too late. All right. So this was conducted in Illinois. So, and this was under a lawn care setting, if I remember correctly. So let's get through it and um, see where we go. Density, color, and uniformity are the major characteristics determining the perceived quality of turf grass stands. The professional lawn care industry has interests in techniques to produce darker green turf. Turf grass color can often be enhanced by applications of nitrogen or iron. Several problems such as the increased need for mowing, the potential for increased incidence of certain diseases, and reduced root growth are associated with excessive use of nitrogen fertilization. Applications of iron to turf grass plants may enhance color without some of the negative effects of the nitrogen. So it makes it lays it out very clear, lays it out very clearly. While iron deficiencies are not usually found on turf grass stands in Illinois, information is needed regarding the use of iron and fertilization programs designed for the liquid lawn care industry. So this is back in 1984, and they were doing work for the liquid lawn care industry, which is very relative, rel relevant to, the, to today. The purpose of this research was to determine the effect of foliar applications of iron alone and in combination with nitrogen on clipping yields and color of Kentucky bluegrass in the field, and to determine the application rates at which iron causes phytotoxicity. Now, if you remember from yesterday and the day before, we talked about a video that claimed that applying iron with nitrogen is going to make your grass double dark. You know, nitrogen is going to increase the growth and it's going to pull that iron in that we applied and it's going to make it double dark. We showed one article on uh, Tuesday that, clearly showed there was no evidence to support that we showed a better article or more robust article yesterday that showed uh what was it only uh, they showed 26 ratings i think it was and only in or 24 of those 26 ratings there was no difference in the iron response when you applied nitrogen compared to when you did not apply nitrogen so 24 times out of 26 there was no nothing happened so basically 93% of the time applying nitrogen isn't going to result in a double dark greening according to that article yesterday. 
Today, we're going to look at it again, and they, they kind of make it a little bit more clear here <laughs> that this is simply untrue. But I'm going to get to it. But they actually they actually make a statement. It's there was nothing happened, so we didn't even include it. That's basically what they say here. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Um. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I try to I try not to base my confidence on one paper, and I hope you don't either. And so when I showed an article on Tuesday, it said this. Maybe it said, ah, okay, that kind of makes sense, Travis. Then I showed another article yesterday. And you're like, well, okay. I'm going to show another article today. It just keeps compounding and compounding. And that's how confidence grows from the from the reading and the, the, the building of the scientific, the turf grass model of iron. It's not based on one paper. It's based upon many papers. So that's what we're doing today too. The materials and, <clears throat> materials and methods. A three-year-old turf consisting of a blend of Columbia and touchdown Kentucky bluegrass growing on a silt loam at the ornamental horticulture research center at the university of Illinois in Urbana, Urbana. I don't know how to pronounce that. Urbana, Illinois was used for this research. Soil test levels determined by the soil testing laboratory were a pH of 5.9, a phosphorus level of about 40 parts per million, potassium of about 250 parts per million and iron of about 120 parts per million. I don't know the extractant they use, so I can't really relate that to what it would mean to you today. But it didn't look like the phosphorus was probably deficient or the potassium or even possibly even the iron. And the pH was just a little bit below six. All right. Two identical sets of plots were used for this experiment. Now he's going to use one set basically the entire time. And then they had a problem with some rainfall. And so they just did it again next to it for one study. But in this, he says two identical sets were used. And one of them was used for three or four studies. And then another plot was used on the application for October 2nd, 1980. Treatments consisted of fuller applications of iron sulfate or iron chelate. And the iron chelate was DTPA. At these rates, zero, one, two, or four. I'm just going to use round numbers, zero, one, two, or four kilograms per hectare. So you would just roughly divide that like, well, it's going to be a half, roughly a half, one and two pounds of iron per thousand, I think is what that's going to end up being. Or no, I mean per acre, sorry, not per thousand, sorry. As iron sulfate and then, or one, four, or iron sulfate and one, two, or four, what? Oh, they did the same amount of iron. Okay, they did the same amount of iron uh, from either iron sulfate or iron EDT or DTPA, and then they applied them with no nitrogen, a quarter, a half a pound of nitrogen, or one pound of nitrogen. So they applied one, two, three, four rates of iron, and they did it with three rates of nitrogen. Okay, the nitrogen was applied as urea. Let me make sure that I'm going to get this right here. Hang on a second. One point one. Okay, so they, the, the iron rate, so we're clear, were a half a pound of iron per acre, one pound of iron per acre, and it looks like two pounds, divided by, or two pounds. So they did iron at a half a pound, zero, a half, one, and two. And the nitrogen was zero, that was per acre. And the, the nitrogen was zero, a half, and one pound per thousand. 
Turfgrass color was rated one day after application of the treatment and then weekly until no differences in color were apparent between checks and treated plots. A one to nine scale was used. Okay. Now I'm going to get into a little bit of statistics here, but I have to in order to explain what happened. I don't want to lose anybody, but just bear with me. The nitrogen times iron interaction. So what that means is when we applied iron, let's say um, we applied iron in A happened at zero nitrogen. Then we applied iron in B happened at one pound of nitrogen. We would say that they differed. There was an interaction. In other words, what happened with iron under no nitrogen did not happen with iron under one pound of nitrogen. If that's if that's the case, then we would say there was an interaction. If what happened with iron under no nitrogen occurred also with iron under one pound of nitrogen, we would say there was no interaction. There was no difference in the response of iron based upon how much nitrogen we applied. We would say there's no interaction. Okay. That's what interactions mean. Or you could say the opposite with nitrogen. You could say, you know, you could do it with the interaction with nitrogen or the interaction with iron. So the nitrogen times iron interaction was significant on July 26th, one day after the July 25th treatment, and on October 2nd, one day after that treatment, when the turf showed a variable response to iron, but no response to the nitrogen. Okay, so when the turf did not respond to the nitrogen, there was a variable response with iron under and under those two studies. The nitrogen times iron interaction was also significant on three other rating dates where there was a small change in the color ratings between iron treatments among in levels. So they had one one location where there were they had uh, one situation where there was no response to the nitrogen at all. But there was a response to the iron, and, and they said that that resulted in an interaction. And there was another situation where, on three rating dates, the it was significant. There was a difference between the iron responses based upon the nitrogen that they applied. Okay, so that that occurred. They're talking about three rating dates, and then the other there was one or two. Uh, let's see, on July twenty sixth and October second, there was so there's basically five occurrences. Then we, then let's read what oh there is five. So then then it says. Because the nitrogen times iron interaction was significant on only five of the 29 dates, no attempt was made to further analyze the interaction. So I showed you all those tables yesterday. Then I counted them all out, remember? Then there was two of 26 dates there was interaction. The other uh, 24, there was no, no influence. They flat out say it right here. And I love this language when they just say it. They don't have to count it. There were uh, five of 29 times there was interaction. The other 24 times there was no interaction. So this five divided by 29 is 17%. So there's an 83% chance in this situation that there's no difference in the iron response based upon how much nitrogen you applied. So now this is a third study of which in even yesterday's study, there was two or three trials. In this study, there's a couple, there's two or three trials. So this is a third publication, I should say, that has indicated the response to iron will be independent of the amount of nitrogen you apply. Okay. So this idea that you're going to make it double dark because you're applying it with nitrogen and nitrogen is going to take it up is, is not an evidence-based statement. Okay. Let's continue. Let's go to the results. 
Application of iron and nitrogen treatments to Kentucky bluegrass enhanced turfgrass color for several weeks to several months, depending on the growing conditions after treatment. So we're going to find that the, the longevity of the response was greater when, the, when it was cooler than when it was warmer. The color enhancement lasted longest after October 2nd when cool, dry weather followed treatments. Color, color enhancement was brief after April 20th. Application was followed by wet weather. So when it was wet and warm in the spring and it was starting to grow, the response to iron was very short. The longevity of the response was very short. In the, in the fall, when it's starting to cool off and it was a little drier, and the, the, the longevity of the response was greater. Okay. So keep that in mind as we move forward. The, 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 the July 25th, 1980 uh, application. There were no significant differences in color due to treatments after August 21st. Color enhancement due to iron was evident one day after the last after the application and lasted three weeks. Okay. On all dates, turf receiving a half a pound of nitrogen in combination with any rate of iron received color ratings numerically equal to or higher than turf receiving one pound of N. So what he's saying here is they could apply one pound of N only and see the same response as applying a half a pound of N with any amount of iron. So they're able to, this is some evidence to indicate you can reduce the amount of nitrogen you're applying if you're applying a little bit of iron with it and still get the same response as you would if you applied one pound of iron, one pound of nitrogen alone. Okay. Clipping weights for the three dates after July 25th indicate there was no significant effect on growth. So here's one more paper showing that iron did not result in a growth response. I'm going to show a paper that will indicate iron can result in a growth response. But I think this is the second one that's shown it did not. October 1st, 1980. Within one hour of the October 1st application of treatment, a half, uh, a half an inch of rain fell. Nitrogen level had a significant effect on turf color for this test period, but the effect of iron was not persistent. Now you have to understand he's applying this as a liquid. And right after he applied it, an hour later, he had a half inch of rain. So what happened? Whatever was on the leaf surface got washed right off. All right. A color response due to iron was evident until October 22nd and during the period set period 7 to 11 November. Wet, wet weather, wait, wait. Wet, wet weather prior to October 22nd and 1st of November ratings dates probably affected the induced color response. On most rating dates after October 1st application, there was no effect due to the rate of iron application. Apparently, the rainfall immediately after the treatment reduced iron uptake and altered the effect of iron rate on the color of the turf. So when you wash that off the leaf and it hits the soil, it's a whole different ball game. That's where you enter my world, okay? When you get off the plant and you get into the soil, that's when my brain starts thinking chemistry, starts thinking oxidation, oxygen, and all these other elements that are going on, okay? We have to keep the iron above the soil in order to get the maximum amount of response. Once it hits that soil, all bets are off, even if it's chelated. Okay. You got to know a lot more about the system if you're expecting a turf grass response once it hits the soil, once that iron hits the soil. You got to know a lot more. Okay. If you leave it on above the soil, you've circumvented all the effects of the soil and you're, pro you're probably staining the leaf surface more than likely. But I don't, like I said, I don't think you guys even care. I don't, I don't care. 
if you're staining the leaf surface and it makes, makes it look green, then, you know, it's fine. But that's what you need to do. You need to keep it above the soil. All right. October 2nd, 1980. Because of the rainfall following the 1st of October application, an application of uh, treatments was made to an adjacent set of plots on October 2nd. So what they're saying is the first one was a washout. It was a waste of our time, which is unfortunate. That happens sometimes. You go out and do all this work and lay all these plots and then it rains. One of the one of the best ways to get it to rain is to do a large seed trial in Lexington, Kentucky. You put out 25, 35, 50 varieties of fescue and bluegrass, and they're all seeds, and they're all, played them all out there. It'll wa- it'll rain guaranteed the next day and wash all that junk out. I've seen it happen. I don't know how many times. And the same thing happened here where they put out these treatments, and it rained. So they said, well, we're going to redo it. And the next day, they redid it right next to it. Color enhancement due to iron application lasted for several weeks on the second trial when they did it right next to it after it rained on the first trial. It lasted for several... I'm sorry, lasted for several months after October 2nd. The color response due to iron treatments was still apparent on December 6th and into the following spring. So they they redid it after it washed off in October. They redid it the next day, and then they saw a response lasting until the spring from those iron applications in October. Okay? Remember, we're in real Illinois, so we're going into the dormancy period, and the grass isn't growing that much in Illinois at that time. We're not mowing it off. Unlike the first October test period, there was a rate response for both the chelate and sulfate sources. In addition, the chelate source enhanced turfgrass color more than the sulfate source. On most of the rating dates following the second October treatment, the turf treated with half a pound of nitrogen in combination with iron, any of these iron sources or rates, received color rating similar to the turf receding one pound M. So what he's saying is again, they're seeing the same response by lowering the nitrogen and adding iron as they would with just greater amounts of iron. Now, he stated in here, the chelate source enhanced turf color more than the sulfate source. This is really the only time he's going to see this in these in these treatment applications. He did not see a response to the chelate source above the sulfate source in any of the other settings. It was only in that one trial. I'm going to read through this and we're almost done. I'm going to go back into the tables and explain what he's talking about. Let's talk about turf grass phytotoxicity, which is really, you know, a major point. We have to, we have to figure out what rate would not result in the phytotoxicity first, not what's the maximum rate for response because the maximum rate for response might result in you losing a customer because it burned it on the first week or two. The results of the phytotoxicity study indicated that serious injury did not occur to the turf grass plants until the, let me do that in my head. So it looks like eight pounds per r- roughly, I mean, I should probably should do that. Let me hang on. Let me just pull up a calculator. I don't want to get this. I don't want to screw this up. Wait, wait, this is. So that would be, I can do that actually real quick, 17 per 1,000 times 43. That would be, oh, that's a high rate. That's like 14 pounds per acre. Yeah. Is that right? Did not occur to the turquoise plants until 14 pounds per acre, yeah, were applied. So don't apply 14 pounds per acre is what they're saying of iron. And generally what I'll say is 1 to 5 pounds per acre is a safe rate. And they, they applied 14 pounds and saw a burn. 
Serious injury was considered to be foliar dieback. Turf treated with iron in the range of 4.5 to 7. So in the range of, say, that would be, let me just do this math. That would be four pounds. So the, uh, the turf treated with in the range of four pounds to 14 pounds suffered discoloration to a blackish green color per acre, four pounds to 14 pounds per acre. Tissue iron content was not measured during the course of the study. Thus, it is impossible to define the phototoxicity levels. Um, so basically what they're saying is the 14 pounds of iron per acre resulted in really bad phytotoxicity. Anywhere from four to 14 pounds resulted in a little blackening, but it grew out of it. So when you say one to five pounds, that's when I say one to five pounds, you're probably safe in that range. You start going up above five pounds, you can be okay depending on the turf and depending on the time of year, but you start increasing your risk of burn once you get above five pounds per iron, of iron per acre. Okay, the discussion. I'm going to go right, start, I just want to read through this. We're almost done and I'm going to go back to the tables and explain about the chelates and sulfates. The discussion, the data indicated both a rate response and that the chelate source was more effective than the sulfate source. Now he just saw that on that one study after it, after the washout study, he did another study and they did see there was a difference between the chelate source and the sulfate source, the chelate source resulting in a, in a uh, greener color. And I'm going to go over that. The results of this study also indicate that the use of iron to improve color and reduce nitrogen use is feasible. The color response produced by the one the half pound nitrogen plus iron treatments compared favorably favorably to that produced by the one pound nitrogen alone. However, the use of iron in combination with nitrogen during very rapid periods of turfgrass growth, as illustrated by the ratings taken on April second, is questionable. So they're saying, whenever the grass is growing rapidly, applying iron with nitrogen is questionable. And they shows and they have they tell you why they ratings on April second April twentieth nineteen eighty one during these time periods a reduction in the amount of nitrogen applied still provided acceptable color without the added expense of including iron in the spray so what they're saying is the influence of iron was less impactful when it was growing rapidly you didn't really need to apply the iron because you can just apply a little bit of the nitrogen and you're, you don't you don't need to pay extra for the iron you're still going to get a similar response. When, when it's growing rapidly, that's what they're talking about. When the, when, the, when the plant is really growing, applying a little bit of nitrogen will keep it growing. Applying the iron, it's going to be a fleeting response. It's probably not going to be really necessary to result in an acceptable stand, okay? When it's not growing rapidly is when they, they saw the greatest value in the use of iron. It's very likely a result of the reduced growth rate resulting in a prolonged response to the iron because you're not mowing it off. Uh, since there was neither a rate or source response after April 20th, the iron sulfate would be the iron sulfate would be the best iron treatment to use by those people still wanting to include iron in a spray. Based upon the observations made during this research, a practical recommendation would be that one pound of iron per acre should uh, the one oh the one pound rate of iron per acre should not be exceeded. Okay, so he's saying don't go to one to five pounds, just go to one pound in this particular setting. Okay, so now let's go back and look at the tables and we'll wrap this thing up. 
So the tables are all the, all the tables are the same. It has the color ratings, the clipping yields. It has the color ratings for the next study, the color ratings for the third study, the color ratings for the fourth study. All these things. Okay. For those listening, it's uh, the tables have the dates, and then it has the various treatments on the left hand side and the dates. And now what I want to go is down here at the bottom where it has the analysis of variance, and it talks about these different, um, you know, which what's significant and what's not significant. Now. He stated in the beginning, the materials and methods, that they didn't look at the nitrogen times iron interaction because it was never significant except for on five of the 29 occasions. So the iron either resulted in a response or did not result in a response, but it did not have, but the nitrogen didn't affect it. So they just removed it. So they gave them, I guess they gave them another opportunity. I think back then they were doing, uh, I don't see, I thought, they were, I thought they were doing orthogonal contrast, but I don't see it in here. So they may have felt back then statistically that they needed to limit the number of uh, comparisons they were making. Some There was a lot of that done back then. So maybe they just removed the N times iron interaction because it wasn't really interesting and didn't happen. And they, they gave them an opportunity to look at something else. Anyway, that may or may not be true. That's just what my thoughts were. But in the table down here, we're looking at July through August. In the table, we look at chelate versus sulfate. And you'll see in the July 25th, 1980 study, there was one occasion at the very beginning where there was a difference between using a chelate and using a sulfate. All right. But all the other dating ratings, one, two, three, all the other five, four rating dates, there was no difference between using a chelate versus using a sulfate. It was only at the very beginning. And then after that, it was, there was no difference. On the next table, we're looking at clipping yields. And we see again, there was no difference between chelate versus sulfate on clipping yields on the July, in the same study. So clipping yields, the chelate versus sulfate, there was no difference. The color, there was no difference on four of the five rating dates. We go to the color rating dates for the October 1st study, and we see chelate versus sulfate. We go from October 2nd all the way through to April 13th, 1981. And we're doing ratings, it looks like about every 15 days or so, something like that. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 rating dates. And we see the difference between chelate and sulfate did not exist on any rating, any of those rating dates. None. So this is the study that result that when they put it out, it rained. So you have a chelate and it rained. You go, well, if it rains off the leaf surface, it still goes into the soil and has a chance for uptake. Well, this study did not find any value in that. They did not find that the chelate, when it was washed off the leaf surface, resulted in a, in a greening effect greater than that of just straight sulfate. You see non-significant all the way across the board on here on this table. When we go to the, the next rating, the October 2nd, now this is the study that they redid because it rained on the first study. When they redid it, they did find there was a significant difference between the chelate and the sulfate, pretty much every rating date except one out of those, all of those nine or 10 rating dates. I would say that this is not that common, but there's a, here's an example of when it did not rain off, they found that the chelate resulted in a um, greater greening than this sulfate on that table. When we go down here to the next table, the color rating dates on the April 20th, 1980 study. So this is in the spring now. And we see chelate versus sulfate from April to the end of May. There was no significant difference between chelates and sulfates. When we look at the injury ratings of a Kentucky bluegrass treated with iron fertilizers, the injury, this is the percent injury 
and day one and day and one week later and we see that the rate had an effect but the rate times the source had no effect so whether it was a chelate or whether it was a sulfate there was no difference between those two in terms of their burn so sometimes you might hear well i'll use a chelate so, so it won't burn right well this study doesn't find that there's that that, that happened there was a burn based upon the rate of iron that was applied it had nothing to do with the source of the iron that it came from okay so i'm going to wrap all this thing up basically and say this is that this is one study that did had did have clear evidence in one one study that a chelate resulted in a greater green color than a sulfate but in the same study they showed two or three or four other tables that showed there was no value in applying the chelate relative to the sulfate as long as you're applying it to the leaf surface. And even if it washes off the leaf surface, the concept that I have a safety mechanism built in because it's a chelate, when it washed off that leaf, it did not result in any additional greening. There was no benefit to the chelate when it washed off the leaf surface into the soil compared to the sulfate. So this is why I've said multiple times on other podcasts as well as mine, that if I was going to apply iron sulfate or if I was going to apply iron to the leaf and I wanted to do it in the least expensive manner, I would just use spray grade iron sulfate because you're circumventing the soil oxidation process, the microbial breakdown, all these, all the soil interactions with the iron, you're circumventing that because you're not putting it in the soil, you're putting it on the leaf surface. Well, if you're going to put it on the leaf surface, what's the point in using a chelate? You're just adding expense to your program for for very likely no additional benefit. And that's what these uh, studies have shown. Granted, the one study did show there was a benefit. I'm looking at it now. I mean, the sulfate versus chelates, there is a difference between these two. But the sulfates were still 7.7, 7, 7.3, 7, 7. In other words, the, the turf grass was still acceptable under under the sulfates except for maybe one rating date in december let me bring that back up so you can see what i'm talking about this is the study where there was a difference between the two and what i'm looking at here is the half pound nitrogen rate and you'll see these the let me see if i can highlight this whole column or this whole row yeah so all of these here are sulfates and the ones below it are chelates and you'll see that all these this is in the half pound nitrogen rate. You'll see that all these are acceptable until you get out here into into like December or early April. Then we're dealing with fives and sixes. And then you come down here to the chelates. You might have a six seven or a six three. There might be a little bit of an increase here and a little bit of increase here. But what I'm saying is, is that the, the turf grass under the sulfate uh, iron source was very acceptable throughout the entire the, the entire process entire season as long as there was a little bit of nitrogen applied if you go up here and you don't apply any nitrogen at all okay then you're looking at fives and you know looks like there's a four here so there might well there's still fours down here too with the with the chelate there's still a four here with the chelate and a five with the chelate so i guess what i'm getting at is it, it's, it wasn't a very normal occurrence that it, it happened in the study where a chelate resulted in a more a greener turf than the, than the sulfate. That's what they showed. But even the turf grass under a sulfate was still acceptable. That in, 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 the, in most cases, it was still acceptable using the sulfate. 
if it was completely unacceptable using the sulfate and, and acceptable using the chelate, then I might be more inclined to spend money on it, you know. But if you're just telling me that this is acceptable, you can get a little bit greener if you use the chelate. Most people aren't going to be able to tell the difference between a 7 and a 7.5 on a, on a color scale. Okay, if you if you want to, in this particular setting, there's a small chance you might see a benefit from using a chelate. It's Like I said, he showed it. Of course, he showed some other ones where there wasn't, but it's possible. But the benefit or the increase in color, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't particularly compelling to me to spend money on it to get an additional half a point in color is really more or less what he found. Okay. All right. That's all I got for today, guys. Anything in the chat you want me to address, put it in there now. I don't, uh, <clears throat> I don't see much. Let me look. I don't see much, guys. I really appreciate you guys watching. Uh, next week, I will be on Monday, Tuesday, and then I'll be on Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday morning show is going to be canceled because my kids are off of school. So I'll be next week's the last sort of kind of normal week. And then I'll be off for a while. Uh, I'm going to keep the Wednesday night show on throughout the holiday season. But the, the daytime shows after next week, the daytime shows will be on pause for a little while. Uh, so look for me next week in the mornings and then I'll, and then in the evenings, we'll see what happens on Wednesday evenings, but I won't be on in the mornings um, after next week for several weeks. Okay. If you want me to uh, cover anything, shoot me an email, let me know. Otherwise we'll be, we'll be back on iron next week. I really appreciate everybody showing up today. Thanks a bunch. Have a good day. Be kind.